Hi, this is Bo Roberts, and you're listening to the FSF Popcast. The show that makes you wish you could send an assassin bot back in time to kill the internet. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Rancher Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Redshirt Crewman number 114. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins the Spartans against Xerxes in his evading army, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of a spear and shield. Our guest today is a much better looking man than I am, uh, and he has the top 50 sexiest man uh, alive nomination to prove it. I don't have that. He does. That's probably a good thing. But he's gone from being a model to an actor to a director, all while smoldering in the sexiness. I'm not jealous. You're jealous. Shut up. <laughs> Regardless, we are very proud and pleased to welcome Bo Roberts to the FSF podcast. Welcome to the show, Bo. Hey, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you as well as Nick. Uh, how's it going? So very far, so good, good, sir. Yeah, very good. We're excited to have you. We're We've been looking over your IMDb list, your website, kind of scouring the internets for all things oh, Bill Roberts over the last couple of days. Um, we don't like to call it stalking. That just seems rude. But we we put a little bow on it and call it research. That That's what we call it. So just call it a professional research. Yes, it's a professional yeah. research of a professional person to have on our unprofessional podcast. There it is. Good way to put it. There you go. All right. So, Bo, we love to talk to our guests about um, their upbringing, their backgrounds, and, and how that affects their origin story. Because in our story today, in our interview, you are the hero of our story. So we always like to know, because we're nerds, we like to know the origin story of the heroes that sit across the table from us, even though this is a virtual table. So in the case of Bo Roberts, what about your upbringing helped you to be the man we have sitting across the table from us today? Gotcha. So it, it all started on a dark and stormy night. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I was born actually in Louisville, Kentucky, but raised just north of it at the very bottom tip of Indiana. And growing up, um, yeah, my family, uh, we, we own a few uh, truck driving companies, so um, I, I've definitely spent time and was actually raised to where at probably about eight years old, I, I was actually buffing and polishing uh, fuel tanks on semi trucks and this and that and uh, doing it. But the uh, interesting note with that is um, my dad would have me do it on his truck and then that expanded into uh, his friend's trucks and so on and so forth. Uh, but the caveat is that he paid me what he would pay anybody else to do it. So it wasn't like, oh, he's my son, so I'll give him $5 and he'll be happy with it. Um, he paid me the same amount that he would anybody else, uh, except he held me to a much higher standard of somebody that, oh, this is my job. I'm just going to kind of go through the motions. Whereas with me, um, you know, having very solid work ethics instilled in me, at a very early age. And then my stepfather, he has a big truck driving company and as uh, kind of a weird side hustle, he had a lot of vending machines, frozen food, uh, snacks, candy bars, uh, soft drinks, uh, you name it, he had it. Uh, and he had them in uh, his company out in the garage um, at a friendly uh, parts store at a truck driving 
Academy. Uh, he just kind of reached out to his network that he works with and put vending machines in. So when I came into the picture, um, uh, him and my mom got married when uh, I think I was in a eighth grade going into freshman year. So soon after going uh, into freshman year of high school, uh, I actually began uh, taking care of the vending machines. And that was kind of the first job I had. And um, so, yeah, uh, basically at a very early age, it, I was introduced to, you know, working hard and kind of earning my keep and having responsibility of things to take care of. And so moving forward, I would assume that as you became a model and, and as you were becoming an actor and then even as a director, I would assume that that work ethic had to follow you through because, you know, as a director, especially you're kind of, you know, the one going, OK, I need this over here, that over there. You, you got to be the one setting the pace and making sure that things are happening. So I'm assuming that 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 work ethic would have followed you very much. Uh, so uh, for me, I shot over 10 short films and on most of them. I was literally the only crew member on set. And the way I really got into shooting short films was uh, my wife wakes up a couple hours before I do typically and always has morning meetings and work that has to be done. So my mornings were pretty open with kind of how I'm um, scheduling them. So I took that time to have breakfast, but have breakfast with a computer in front of me and uh, YouTube playing. And it was just tutorials on filmmaking so for about a span of three months i would study only lighting uh, for three months sound and how to capture it properly and then within the post-production and uh, i would just kind of flow from one topic to the next to the next and then once i began shooting short films that's when i would put it all into practice like okay you just studied using light so let's use light to make it look like it's midnight or 2 a.m. outside. How do you do that? So um, I began hanging out with uh, friends uh, I went to acting school with, and we would just shoot really fun, goofy content that wasn't even scripted most of the time because my agenda was to, you know, kind of do homework on stuff that I was learning online. Um, so, yeah, from being a solo <laughs> filmmaker um, all the way up to shooting my, my, my movie, um, yeah, I shot that movie. And it, uh, I did a massive upgrade. I uh, absolutely doubled my crew size. So I shot uh, my full-length movie with me and one other person. So it was two people uh, for multiple weeks handling, you know, um, company moves to various locations and having to take care of, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm wanting to direct, but it's lunch arriving when it's supposed to. Is this happening? And, you know, uh, all of these little uh, tiny things. So yeah, uh, coming from a background where work ethic was instilled at a very early age, I, I can definitely see how that paid off for me. That kind of leads into my question or my next question is you seem like, as I was scrolling through your IMDB, you seem to have your fingers in like a lot of different roles, as you were <laughs> mentioning in the entertainment production, such as actor, director, cinema, cinematographer, uh, producer, camera and electrical editor so definitely a lot of different hats so which one of these is your preferred job role and what about that role is most fun for you gotcha so for me directing is definitely what's uh, currently holding my attention um working as a grip and working with the lighting team i appreciate it and if a job comes up 
for it. Like I'm still interested in doing that just because, you know, the times that I've done it, my knowledge and experience has grown leaps and bounds to where uh, I kind of cherry pick on, okay, this is a, a very small budget uh, feature. Okay. This one has a couple million dollars behind it. And I'm making sense of how everybody operates. So for me, I view every job that I take on, uh, you can put me in as a uh, second second or, you know, in the assistant director path, um, kind of working with scheduling or interacting with talent. Um, I was even uh, the head of uh, Transco. Um, did that on a movie that went out to Netflix. So doing but all of these things has given me a lot of scope. So now as a director and kind of overall filmmaker to where the movie uh, I just shot, you know, that was all self-funded. So I'm like, I have to know where everything is constantly and know what's achievable. Uh, that was a very big part of it. So I'm very appreciative for various positions I've worked in. And um, yeah, my, my interest in psychology is what has really led me into directing where I, um, yes, like when I worked 10 years on camera, uh, modeling and acting, um, yeah, I was introverted and making sense of the script on how I react in the situation. But at the end of the day, I'm helping somebody else explain their vision and their story. Whereas now as a director, I am the one uh, creating, you know, the story in most cases and um, making sense of kind of what is the note behind the note or like what's the actual message I'm trying to say. So yeah, that definitely has my attention. Very good. All right. Now, so for many actors or directors that we've talked with, uh, their favorite project is always the one that they're working on right now or the one that they just finished. So let's talk about what you've recently worked on and maybe give us an idea of what's coming up on the docket. Well, the most recent uh, project I had done, I was actually director of photography on something. And that was actually a lot of fun because the, uh, well, uh, it's actually going to festival, so I can't say too much about it, but Understood. it was that, yeah, but it, it was that, that first time that, okay, I've been learning about camera movements and lighting, doing all of this stuff. And this was the first script that landed on my lap to where camera movement really help tell the story. Whereas, um, like, uh, a lot of people have seen the, the, I think it's on, uh, H HBO max, but it's called euphoria and how they have almost a dreamlike unrealistic color hue that accompanies the show because the hues of, uh, the, the color that's used represents the emotion of the scene and what characters are going through. So, you know, being, um, expressionistic like that, it's a lot of fun to do, but I haven't really come across a script where it's like, oh, the camera angle, it means so much for this particular angle because it symbolizes this. So that was uh, something that I actually had a lot of fun doing. And um, what's uh, what's on the horizon for me, uh, I've actually <laughs> gone back and put my uh, writing hat on and I'm uh, creating the next story, uh, one of which is uh, kind of my modern day take on Dante's Inferno. That's called the color of sin where back to being expressionistic, you have the, um, was it nine, nine levels of hell and, um, each sin uh, I've actually been going in and doing, you know, some research on it, like a, like a writer should, <laughs> but you know, I found out <laughs> right. interesting things that like the sin of lust, it, it's actually more blue than 
you know, like a passionate red. So that was kind of news to me. So uh, that that's a project where I plan on utilizing color to tell the story very heavily. Um, I have that one. And then I have one um, that's, it has a bit more of a ghost house feeling to it because uh, the movie um, that I shot, The Great Awakening, that it, that's much more of a sci-fi thriller with some horror aspects to it. And now, like, I'm, I'm wanting to do something that, you know, can't really be confused. This is definitely like a horror movie that, you know, I'm wanting to do next. My interest has peaked on the Dante's Inferno take because there are so many different things with all the different levels of hell and everything that mm-hmm. can, there's a lot of different stories that can be told there. And I, I, I'm really curious about the way that you'll do it with the colors and how the colors tie in and, and how that, that like you said, the expressionistic uh, side of it will all be be taken because that's there's there's been a lot of attempts to tell that story and i i you know there's a couple good ones out there but you know um i think if you can do it in a fresh and new way and that certainly sounds what you're doing i, mm-hmm. I think that could be a really cool thing 100 percent. and to me that that's a that's an awesome thing about taking um you know these epics and uh you know these stories that are just as old as time that yeah they been done before so yeah it's like okay I, I see how this person did it but this is how i'm wanting to do it so it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it comes out because you know it's an extremely old story that is being told but i'm you know updating it to where it's set in like modern day and uh mm-hmm. like there's there's even an aspect of it being a uh, a silent disco is kind of part of you know yeah, what neat you know, what triggers things. So you have that modern day aesthetic with this extremely old storyline. That's really cool. cool. You know, especially because, um, and I'm going to completely make myself sound really old and outdated here. I only figured out or discovered what a silent disco was like uh, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Uh, (laughs) I don't remember what I was watching and all these people were dancing around with headphones on, but there was no sound. I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, it seems nice if you're wanting to be polite for neighbors. I personally haven't partaken in one, but it's uh, it's interesting. And it, yeah, it seems like it would be super awkward the moment you take your headphones off and you just hear a bunch of heavy breathing and people, you know, stomping their feet on the ground and just it, it, it would it'd be a uh, unique experience. I, I think uh, the one that I was watching, I think it was on a TikTok, honestly, and yeah. somebody had uh done it and while everybody was listening to uh since you've been gone by kelly clarkson and mm-hmm. at he recorded it up to the point of them getting to the chorus and then everybody just shriek there's no music nothing's playing and then you can hear all these voices just shriek since you've been gone and all these off tones and it was pretty funny but <laughs> that's, that, that's awesome but yeah to me like it if, if somebody uh, recording me in that fashion, I'm like, uh, it, it would feel almost like a, I was being pranked because I'm yeah. a terrible singer, but that doesn't stop me. I, I love singing karaoke, but yeah, um, when there's no music or anything, uh, yeah, that would be, yeah, that'd be fun. You, you would also hear a lot of rustling of clothes. You'd be surprised mm-hmm. how loud the rustling of clothes is when there's no other sound around you. Uh, I've attended I've attended some like all sign language type conventions and it's surprisingly loud, but you also hear the 
like the snores and the 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 sniffles and you just hear everything you don't think you would hear but it's a lot of fun and when you mentioned the part about how the camera angle also affects the the feelings and stuff in a movie and i'm like great now i have to go through and watch all these movies again (laughs) and just focus in on like the camera angles and i never thought about that before oh yeah so kind of a common theme is that i've encountered um is that um if you ask a, a dp why is the camera movement happening this way or why is that light there uh they should have an answer for you um so yeah it's like to get very basic with it, if you want someone to look heroic, give them the Rocky Balboa angle and shoot up at them. You know, it makes them look larger than life and stuff like that. So, you know, that that's one example. And then if somebody is walking this way, um, it kind of helps if the camera is kind of panning with them or, you know, trucking or uh, sliding in that direction. A whole bunch of <laughs> ways to, you know, um, create an image to where, like, you uh the viewer, their eye naturally kind of goes to a certain spot on screen. And, you know, that when you learn how to do that, that's when you can really have fun with the audience to where their eye goes there and nothing's happening yet. But something definitely does take place there. So it's, uh, yeah, camera movement, it's uh, a lot of fun to get into. The only thing I remember from my uh, film class was the Hitchcock Zoom. Oh, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I think, one of my favorites, and I'm like, oh, I'm so, I see what they did there. <laughs> yeah. But we love stories, and one of the things we love to hear is those moments behind the scenes that has either touched your heart or you thought was hysterical. Because we don't often get to hear these behind-the-scene moments and various things. So what was something to you that touched your heart or was hysterical? It wasn't hysterical, but the only option I had to do at that time was laugh about it. So <laughs> when when I was uh, when I was uh, filming my movie, The Great Awakening, uh, there is a scene to where, like, so much of it is meant to have kind of a claustrophobic, uh, you know, one uh, one spot that we're shooting at for the vast majority. So now we have this one location that's like way out. It, inside the forest and i'm talking way out to the tune of we drove about six and a half hours outside of los angeles to get to a place that you do a 360 spin you only see trees like just and then uh you drive down you know that uh back country road go through a very tiny town uh that i don't think it had a stoplight uh just stop signs um, and then from that point, you go another six miles off into the forest, drive off the paved road, and then eventually you get to the spot. So we're all the way out, way out in the forest, and we're shooting some uh, hiking footage and B-roll and stuff like that. And um, and then the sun finally goes down so we can get to the dialogue and for the uh, meat potatoes of the scene that we came to shoot. And we set the light up, camera's ready. You know, we're like moments away from the take, and uh, my tooth broke. Oh no! So, yeah. So, oh no! <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere, and um, and then that's also where you know the budget comes into mind. To where initially I, I was lying to people and trying to uh, fluff up the the budget to make it sound more big budget and say it was filmed for you know 
five thousand dollars or twenty five hundred. But to be honest, uh, I made this movie for sixteen hundred dollars, and uh, so to go six and a half hours north at least, and to get you know four uh, four to five hotel rooms and um you know just everything i'm like i have one shot at this like we're <laughs> we're definitely not coming back here so we better get it right. um and of course that's when my tooth breaks so i <laughs> so i uh put in a napkin and then i put it back into my pocket and said all right let's we gotta go so we spent the, the whole night shooting went back to the hotel woke up the next morning came back shot more b-roll footage and then drove all the way back to Los Angeles. And then I had to do an emergency reschedule. So uh, the day after we got back, I could actually get into the dentist. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, I, I didn't, well, you, I suppose that I could say I found the humor in it. Cause yeah, it was like, it happened. And my knee jerk reaction was uh, I just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with it? At least right, you didn't well, break your yeah. humorous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. 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 Your budget just increased. You know, you had a $1,600 budget and then you had, a, you know, whatever your emergency dental bill was, you know, mm-hmm. so <laughs> probably doubled your budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. What else are you going to do? That It is funny, but it's not funny. I, yeah. But what are you going to do? You, you have to well, laugh. Today it's funny but yeah the, the moment it, it happened you have so many thoughts so yeah as it's happening it's it was a, a lot less comical kind of once you know that situation set in and it was a you know a tiny bit sensitive so mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah it was like just laugh it off and go and that's you know back to me working as a pa a key pa second second uh transport captain and doing all of this stuff so many people just want to blast off and say, oh, I'm just going off to shoot a, a feature film. And I'm like, okay, uh, how many shorts have you done? Oh, I haven't done one yet, but I, I'm just going to go off and shoot a feature. And I'm like, you know, uh, I call them the, the uh, movie pixies to where you have these fairies that you can't see, but their agenda is just to eventually drop kick you, sometimes literally right in the teeth, <laughs> and be like, okay, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, you, you thought filmmaking, business house going down. All of a sudden, you have to pivot, and I, I hope you're prepared for it. So, Exactly. Yeah. So in, in my case, it was just shove the tooth in your pocket and soldier on. There you go. Yeah, I think that you did what you can, what well, probably the only choice you had at the moment. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And now a word from our sponsor. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. Welcome back to the FSF Popcast. All right. So one of the, I also think that means you're a little, probably a little tougher than I am too, because I probably would have laughed from being angry 
laughed to hide the fact that I probably wanted to cry and then uh, laughed because I found it funny. But I also think that means you're a little tougher because I also found out because, you know, that whole stalking thing we were talking about earlier, uh, that you also spent some time training. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Professional researching for our unprofessional podcast. Yes. Uh, That you spent some time as an MMA fighter. Uh, So Mm -hmm. in the training and in fighting and all those things. Now, there's a saying going around, uh, maybe you've heard it, that everybody thinks they're tough until they're punched in the face. Mm -hmm. So Um, you clearly probably got punched in the face. A little with a little regularity. So how do you personally, how do you prepare yourself to know that I'm going to go do something where the guy on the standing in front of me is going to punch me in the face and he may not even be, he may not even be angry. I mean, he could be a good friend and he's going to punch me in the face. How do how do you prepare for that? And does anything that you did as, as tra- training for MMA, does that transfer into anything you're doing now? Gotcha. So yeah, going into well, just the arts in general, whether it be if you're doing what karate or like uh, actually last week, um, since 2020, last week was the first time I've gone back to training jujitsu. And yeah, it's very similar to, you know, fight training to where like, yeah, we're buddies and uh, we can still hang out and be friends and text each other and all of this stuff. But when we're sparring, I'm literally trying to choke you unconscious until you tap out <laughs> or straight your arm until you tap out or it snaps, you know? So, so, um, so it, it is a, a very interesting mentality to have going into it and such a barbaric way. Yeah. Um, the fun and the thrill of doing that, it outweighs the uh, potential uh, side effects of it. Um, but yeah. And like, and that's, uh, so when you train, everybody that's trained for a long time, so like in jiu-jitsu, you have a belt system that goes from white to black. And uh, a fun sidebar, the story of it going from white to black is you would have your belt, and that's just all it is. And over the years and years of people tugging on it, the sweat, and just rolling on the ground, mm. um, it would get so discolored that it would eventually turn black. Um, so that's why you have that progression but yeah so when you have a lot of more veteran fighters and then they have like a a white belt come in they're a little on edge because it's always the the new guys that try and go too hard or they don't know how to control their weapons and all of a sudden they put their head up and just you know bust you right in the teeth and you know that that's when the um you know bad stuff happens that and um people walk in the gym door with egos and stuff like that. But sure. it's, you know, people that have been doing it for a long time, they get it to where like, Oh, we're just rolling to just work on the technical aspects of it. And, you know, we, uh, we have a fun sparring session here and we kind of test each other's strength. But when it comes down to actually doing the choke, uh, you, you have, you know, kind of a code of honor to where it's like, you're not trying to, you know, pull someone's head off their shoulders. So we have a Facebook group and it has over 200,000 members and it's just filled with memes memes of every sort of fandom. So when you are relaxing and taking some time to yourself, what do you, Bo, like to hang your fandom hat on? So for me, um, yeah, like I'm a big fan of horror movies. That's my 
favorite genre. Uh, my Aunt Sheila worked at Movies to Go when I was growing up. So every night she could come home with three movies and um, one of them would typically be a horror movie. So uh, I borrowed a lot of them. And like the first time I watched the Exorcist, I was about nine years old, home alone during a thunderstorm, uh, watching it uh, in my bedroom. And uh, so that was an experience. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I love watching uh, horror movies. And you, you definitely have the ones from like age 24 that are like, this is a horror movie and horrific aspects and stuff. You know, and it's just, it's unrelenting with uh, the tension. But then you have this other category of horror movies that are very self-aware, where as they make stuff, it's a bit more tongue-in-cheek. So an example would be like, you have Freddy Krueger that, you know, that's a proper horror movie. But all of a sudden, he's coming up with these funny one-liners before he kills somebody. So uh, you have that, and some people keep it a bit more kind of, tapered down and some people exploit it uh, much more but yeah so for me yeah if i'm just kind of hanging out and have some time to myself yeah just finding a a fun horror movie which is like to me those are more timeless because some of them you know can be as ridiculous as ones being made now or just as crazy as ones that came out you know 30 years ago yeah i remember watching the exorcist for the first time i stayed up late my parents went to bed and I wasn't supposed to be up watching TV, and I'd snuck out into the living room. And I think it was on, like, late night uh, WGN, you know, the old Superstation. Oh, man, that, that movie scared the living daylights out of me. Like, I'm pretty sure if I'd have been you watching it in the bedroom, there'd been, like, you know, little Timmy sitting on the bed with the soiled sheets over in the corner. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, oof. That that uh, that solved me of horror movies and things like that pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't I don't know that that's for me. Where's where's that Star Wars movie? Let's go watch that one again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. All right, excellent. Well, Bo, considering the fact that you have been an MMA, MMA fighter, I'm gonna get that right one of these times. Um, many times when like you know professional wrestlers or MMA fighters come out, there's a song that there's their that's their entrance song. So this is a two-part question. A, yeah. I have to know, what did you use for your entrance song? And if you'd like to change that moving forward for what your entrance song should be anytime you enter a random room in life. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I never thought I would be asked that question. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, so <laughs> complete honesty, I am not making this up. The last song I walked out to before I fought somebody in a cage was Under the Sea, the Little Mermaid theme song. <laughs> true, true story. <laughs> I Okay, but that had... I'm guessing that had to throw the other guy off his game. <laughs> Because yeah, yeah. I would have been like, what in the actual hell is going on? <laughs> well, and, and the way that we decided to fight each other was as strange. So, uh, like, uh, I, I weighed in and I was fighting at 170 pounds. So I weighed in and um, met my opponent. And <laughs> and it was like, right when I met him, I was like, oh, I, I can tell he's pretty nervous. And then ne next day comes up uh, and the uh, fight promotion for whatever reason they you know i i think they just 
orchestrated something instead of being honorable and telling me. So I show up and they say, hey, your guy actually um, dropped out. Allegedly, he dropped a railroad uh, spike on his foot, injured himself, and oh, no. can't compete. Yeah. And then they said, well, uh, but uh, this guy, his fighter dropped out as well. Um, so would you be interested in fighting him? So I'm like, who is it? And I, I met him and we talked it out and said, uh, well, uh, you know, I know nothing about you and all this stuff. He's like, well, we're in the same boat. Uh, should we go for it? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so I met someone talking for less than five minutes and said, all right, let, let's fight each other here in like two hours. Um, but the interesting thing was, um, he weighed in at 205. So that, uh, so that fight, uh, I was, uh, bruised up for a, a few more <laughs> days than usual. I bet. Yeah. I bet. All right. So now moving forward, uh, if you have to pick a song to have it announce you as you're entering into a room, what song would you pick now? Yeah. Um, what song I would go with now? I don't really know, but for me, uh, I've never felt the need to have a nickname. But moving forward, you know, if somebody called and said, hey, we need you to sub in and find the UFC, I'm like, oh, just to say I've done the dance because I still watch every UFC, every fight night and still keep up with who's doing what, although I have no intentions of competing. But if the phone call came in, I'm like, just say yes and get the experience. Just have the experience in your life, have the memories, and hopefully you remember them. <laughs> but right. um so with that being said, I would totally work the system to get into the Guinness Book of World Records and say, you know, have Bruce Buffer say, Bo, the MMA fighter with the longest nickname in history, Robert. So uh, I would just, you know, find a way to come up with this absurdly <laughs> long nickname just for the sake of, you know, <laughs> getting into Guinness. You know, it's all nice. about priorities. <laughs> hey, it's all about getting remembered, too. That's a definitely a good way to get remembered. You'd yeah, probably use so. the Michael Myers theme song. Yeah. For your walkout. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And, you know, and if I'm walking too slow, they could just put on repeat because it sounds the exact same. Just play it oh, again. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You'll be all set. Smart. <laughs> well, Bo, thank you so much for being on our show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and your work? Right. So... Um, my name is Bo Roberts, and if you just go on social media, you have Twitter. Instagram is my primary playground, um, but uh, YouTube, all of it is synonymous with Mr. Bo Roberts. So on IG, if you type in M-R-B-O-R, then Autofill should take care of the rest. Well, thanks. We will make sure that we get some links to your stuff in our show description so that our listeners can check them out. Absolutely. For sure. Sounds great. We also yeah, we also want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help our show to continue to grow and get amazing guests like Bo Roberts here today to have these great conversations and share a few laughs with. So please subscribe. It helps out well more than we'll ever really be able to just to tell you. And be sure to go check out Bo on his social media as well and, and see what he's got upcoming for you. But if for whatever reason you aren't happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with our complaint department. Bob, the MMA promoter. He's got contracts open everywhere, ready and waiting for somebody to step up and take a punch. So send him two copies of your complaint, and he'll make sure that the offending party finds their way into the octagon to receive their punishment for the punishment they gave with the microphone. But be gentle. We're wimps, and we aren't ready to get punched in the face.
I might be, but Tim might not be. No, I'm a sissy. So <laughs> six foot three, a sissy. Well, thanks again, Bo. This yeah. has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Bo. Definitely. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us for the FSF podcast. Goodbye. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF podcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF podcast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode.